Hey there, this is Mike Tram, formerly a white lion and freak of nature, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Focus All right, Metalheads, welcome to the final installment of our mega massive Strange Highways project. A guest that Richie chased for a while and uh, finally got him on board to, at the last minute. And uh, it'd be Mike Tramp. Yep, Mike Tramp, who played in Freaking Nature. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that we're down to the final last uh, installment of Strange Highways. What was it? Eight, nine? Eight? I thought I'd get one or two. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been an incredible experience. Um, I think I'm just, I think we're blessed that we got everyone. Yeah, I mean, I you can't, did a good job lining everybody up. I, I can't speak, I, I can't thank the guys, everyone who came yeah. on enough. I really can't because they're not promoting anything new. If they have anything new, of course, we talked about it. Yeah, but yeah. the focus on this was the Strange Highways album, which yeah. is tw- which is over just over 20 years old. And yeah. for everyone to come on and, and talk about it uh, speaks highly, I think, of, the regard they have for that record yeah oh yeah and you know and Ronnie I think as well um, uh, you know the, and I think a lot of them think that albums, I think they think it's underappreciated yeah I definitely get that impression from all the musicians we've spoken to that not only were the band shit hot but the what the album was underappreciated when when you look listen back to all of it Mike Fraser was bummed it didn't do the business when it came out. Yep. So were the band. All the guys in the support bands we spoke to said that the album was really good and that band was phenomenal live. Yeah. And it just never, it yeah. never took off. It was, I think it was, um, the, the, the music scene, I think at the time had a huge deal. Yeah. Well, and then, huge you know, and I, I think people are having a, a better appreciation of it now. I mean, now people can see how that band was live because they put out that DVD oh, package yeah, and everything. And oh, yeah. People are starting to, I think, get a better appreciation for it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, it's phenomenal. You know, the, the, the live album is phenomenal. Um, like we spoke to Jeff Pilson. All all we had going were YouTube clips. Yeah. And you know what the quality on some of them are. Right, right. And, um, and now, the, now you have an, a proper yeah. concert film. For, from that band on that album, which uh, which I think is fantastic. I, well, again, I love that record. But yeah, yeah to get Mike on um, was great. You know, um, he's gone in a much different direction now. Oh, yeah. Very acoustic, folky yep. based. Um, seems very, very happy with his lot in life. Um, he's not in a band anymore. He's traveling around with his son when we spoke to him. Um, he's got a new album out, I think Museum, I think it's called, um, just came out recently. A lot, it's in the same vein as Cobblestone Street, which I, I think is really good. And um, he just seems very happy with, 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 with the way his life is going now. And um, yeah, he talks a, little, a lot about the Strange Highways tour, a little bit about White Lion as well, because the Freak of Nature thing, I think, came from the demise of White Lion. Yeah. And um, I think... Freak of Nature, really, it was his band. Uh, even though some of the musicians we knew, like like Jerry Best, and I think that um, I can't remember off the top of my head now who the other guys were in the band, but he was the he was dead guy. Yeah, in that band, the name guy was was Mike Tramp. It was, yep. it was yeah. his band at the yeah. start, and the direction they went in was yeah, it was different. Mm-hmm. I look back on the uh, some of the videos now, and you definitely see the um, the grunge influence and in their clothing, and yeah, oh yeah, the, yeah. It's, it's blatantly obvious. Yeah. And <laughs> I hadn't seen those videos in a long time, and in certain ways you laugh, but in other ways you you look at the musicians and you can understand why they kind of had to go in in that direction, yeah. image wise. Um, but then again, if if they had gone out with the hair and and all that crap, the spandex and all that stuff in ninety three, ninety four. They wouldn't have gotten anywhere, so they right. just kind of had to follow the the trend at the time. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's been an incredible experience. Yeah, I mean, this was this was this was definitely a good project, and you know, a good idea on your part on doing it, and, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's worked out well and came up with some 
pretty amazing folks. And also, I think the other part that's been neat about this is that some of these folks we've had on, uh, it's gone so well with them that they have now come back and and work with us again or gotten us other people or they're still in, just in communication with us all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's pretty cool, too. I think... I know I know for a fact that some of them have listened to what we've done mm-hmm. and they they think that we've done a really good job on it. I think the questions we've asked and I think the rapport we've had with the people that we've interviewed has you know, it's been done well. Yeah. Um I think it's been done with respect to Ronnie. Um you know, I I don't think we've gone after any of the guys uh really hard about about that record we've been very how should I say what's the word I'm looking for we've been respectful Mm -hmm. about the record we've all okay they all know that we love the album but we've we've tried to get as much of the story about the album as we could rather than just focus on Ronnie as well right so you know what I mean it's um, and I think we've I think we've done it the right way It's, it's a lot of audio but you know, even when you listen, I've listened back to a couple of the episodes now because hopefully we're going to have one or two of the guys back on to talk about something else. And yeah, I, don't, well, I, don't, I know we, we need to get Tracy back on again. Um, he's been a good friend of the show and stuff and, yeah. you know, and he's he's great to talk to. So we're definitely going to have Tracy back on. Yeah, and I've got someone else lined up now. It's supposed to be coming back on next yeah. month. So, yeah, it's it's just an incredible experience. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. All right. So what do you think? We'll dive into a little Mike Tramp. Mm-hmm. Yep. On a misty May morning Somewhere in L.A. The man on the silver mountain Had faded away
for me and his rainbow glow What was he thinking when he told you to go ever-evolving quest to make our Dio Strange Highways project bigger and bigger and bigger. We'd kind of been teasing it was somebody he was trying to get a hold of, true to form. Richie always says the Mountie likes to get his man, and, and he did once again. We have with us Mike Tramp. How are we doing tonight, Mike? We're doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Um, so That's how's, good. How's the tour going so far, Mike? The tour is wonderful, uh, and it's really like I'm not really on tour. I'm just sort of living life. These days, I sit behind the steering wheel and I drive my car to the next town I'm playing in. I unpack my guitar. I go through the front door. I do my sound check. Later on, I get up on stage, play the show after the show. I talk to the fans and those who came there. And I go out through the front door and I get back in my car and I get to the hotel. And the next day, I start all over again. Is it just you? Doing solo shows, or do you have yes, any musicians with you? No, no, it's it's just me. It's what I do these days, and it's very important to 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 clarify that because this is not um, this is not a compromise or scaled down version. This is where my tram finds himself um, very comfortable, and and where I want to be with my music. I already have left several hard rock albums behind me, and I'm not you know, wanting to recreate any of that. I want to sound and be the person that I am today. Okay. And that is what I'm doing. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and it is cool to talk to somebody who is at peace with what they do and they have their own personal respect for what they do and they don't try to make something that they're not. So it's it's really, it is nice to talk to an artist that is... Well, I appreciate that. I'm... I'm I'm not going to take anything away from anybody else, and I'm not going to say one bad word about anybody else. I'm just choosing to do what I'm doing. Mm. And, and, and the thing is, is that the, the difficult part is that when all these labels are on music and who's doing what and doing stuff like that, I'm not out doing unplugged. I'm out doing what my tramp is. I'm out, out out there doing electric guitar riffs on acoustic guitar. I'm out there playing the songs that I wrote, new or old, but they're written and played in the original way. Yeah, that I mean, that is, that's really great because you do have so many people that, you know, were back from the 80s that are doing stuff again, and everyone talks about cash grab this and cash grab that, but it, it's nice that you can sit there and, and proudly say that you're doing it your own way. You're playing a lot of your own solo material. You're doing whatever you want. And it's not a nostalgia act. It's really where you're at today. And I think that's really good for people's music dollar and know what they're getting. And it's something genuine. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you wish you were able to spread the word to like, to, you know, to a higher level or to a mass audience in that way and so and so. Because after all, I am a father out here trying to feed three children and trying to fight with a wife, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I am playing the songs and the music that is me. And I'm not doing one thing that I don't stand behind 100%. That is sort of the difference. Um, 
I don't think there would be anybody out there that, that wouldn't, you know, say, hey, you know, if I could make a little bit more than I am, it certainly wouldn't hurt and stuff like that. But I would find it in- incredible hard when, it, when I look at the person that I am to be in a situation of being in a band like Kiss and reading the way they're talking about each other and, and, and all that kind of stuff, it completely shatters my love for the classic rock bands that I grew up with and so on. So, and you know what, maybe in reality, it, it's great that the Stones still can stand on the two legs and you know, there might be one or two acts that can do that kind of stuff. But you know, there is a Mike Tram cannot be the Mike Tram from 1987. It's just impossible. I look more at myself as being, you know, you know, a quarterback that just maybe, you know, ended up playing golf instead, you know, because, you know, <laughs> there's a limit of how long you can throw that ball when you're 25 years older and stuff like that. Even though I'm much younger than most of my competitors out there when it comes to health and soul and whatever it is, I just like to stand behind the life I have lived and what I had seen in the world and, 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 and being, being the man that I am today. Um, I already were that man when I was 16 and I started my rock and roll career, but I needed to go through those first 30 years to just really be able to, to live it, fall on my ass, get up again, try it again and stuff like that. So when I finally got to the point where I am today, I now can sing about it and mean it. Yeah. I gotta say that I really like the album. It's, uh, you know, the songs are stripped down on it for acoustic, which I like. Um, very autobiographical, the lyrics. Is is this the sort of album you've wanted to make for like a long time and just never got around to doing it for various reasons? Well, yeah, yes and yes and no, because in reality, I went into the studio to, to, to record some songs that I needed just to hear some new music. I hadn't planned to do an album. My friend has a great studio, and, and him and I worked together. And at the end of the week, I had recorded the album, um, simply by just letting go of all the cliches and all the rules and regulations. And like he says, we've done so many rock albums and projects together. And at, at every, every, when the day ends and we sit there and have a couple of beer and the lights are dimmed and we listen to some, some cool music, we all say, wouldn't it be cool to just go in there and just record it like that? And he says, this time, go in there and sit down with your acoustic guitar and just play and sing the songs the way you wrote them. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing that it is, you know, and I just want to be what I am. And this is where I'm continuing. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm not out there doing unplugged. I'm out there being me. Yeah, there's, there's certain songs on this, like the, the track Hot in a Storm. I had a really smile on my face listening to that because I could imagine some guy in a bar in Ireland playing that. You know, it's got that sort of Celtic feel to it, some of the songs on it. Of course it has. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, of course, like you were asking about, is this, is, is this you know, when I, when, I did, when I ended White Lion, I decided that whenever I would use the word I in a song, it would represent me and every song and every album that I've done ever since I have put myself in that place. That doesn't mean that any listener cannot put themselves in there and find themselves in that situation and so on. So, but it feels much better to be able to back up what it is you're singing about. It's a little harder and, you know, sometimes I joke about it on stage when I'm up there singing a song about baby, baby, take me home. You know, like, you know, like your leather gets me hot or your, your lace gets me cold. I can't even remember my own lyrics. And, and <laughs> you just go, well, you know, guys, you know, I was 24 years old and I was singing about something else. You know, I, oh, I was on my way to be who I was today, but I had to go through that first. And I'm not regretting anything. But now I'm 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 doing what it is that I'm doing, and and that's just the way that is. Yeah. And 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 especially especially when you're not exactly rolling in in dough or 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 you know living in the best hotels in the world. Not that that ever would change anything for me, but because you are who you are, and that is the best thing about it. Because I mean, I remember 
reading a quote and saying, hey, you know, I'd rather fail with what I believe in than, than succeed with what I disbelieve in, because there is nothing worse than having to play a song every night that you hate, but you got famous from it. Yeah, is, is there any particular, uh, when, when you go back now and you play some of the White Line tracks, is there any particular song that you love playing that, you, because you've stripped it down, it really speaks to you again? Well, yeah, yeah, the songs that I'm playing, because I would not be playing any of the songs that didn't fit there, but 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 I'm able to, to, to bring out songs that White Lion never played because they didn't fit into the set. So when you bring out songs like Cry for Freedom or Broken Home mm-hmm. or um, Going Home Tonight that fit so well with, with the flow of what I do, then and you see, you know, people that those songs have survived the test of time. Yeah, that's you know, that's incredible. So you know, it kind of gave us a nice segue when you talked about going and, and doing the songs that you feel you need to do and stuff. And you know, one of the reasons that Richie contacted you is we had been doing a very large project about Ronnie James Dio and the Strange Highways album which of course took a lot of flack on the press because Ronnie went and changed his sound and did something different. And obviously with Freak of Nature, you guys were one of the opening bands for them. And Richie actually made a very interesting correlation about the two where he was Ronnie changing his sound and doing this darker, heavier sound that he hadn't done before. And that you were essentially doing that same thing with Freak of Nature. And did you guys feel like kindred spirits in, in that kind of pursuit? Well, I mean, I can tell you the thing that when I found it, when, when I found it, Freak of Nature coming straight out of White Lion and on the, on, on the airplane back from Boston where we played the last show to L.A., I had already formed that band in my head and the concept. And, and, and even though we had never played together, even though at that moment I didn't, I, I didn't know more than one member in the band, I knew what it was going to be like and, and how I wanted to, to drag the inspirations out of the individual member. And at that time, Ronnie James Dew had not even entered the studio to record Strange Highways and stuff like that. But we go even further back because, you know, Everybody in the band were huge Rainbow and 70s fans. So somewhere along the way, you're, you're drinking from the same well. And it's just the way it is that you can you can change that foundation. But also to sort of answer it in a different way, the re, you know, there were, there were several reasons why White Lion broke up. And, and, but, you know, one of the reasons why it didn't stay together is because there weren't any brotherhood that was strong enough to keep it together. You know, the family was not strong enough when it was tested. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I wanted to make sure of first was all that I wanted to be in the band that when I opened the door to the rehearsal room and I came in, there were going to be four guys smiling back at me saying, this is the guy we want to be with all night and tomorrow and have a good time. Yeah. Not, opening the, not opening the door rehearsal room and says, man, I can't wait till this is over. Okay, now how did you go about picking the guys in Freakin' Nature, Mike? Well, I mean, it really just it just sort of came about because the band was first formed by myself and, and uh, I brought over one of my oldest friends from Denmark, a guitar player called Oliver Stephenson, and him and I started writing sort of the first songs and demo them in my house and stuff like that. Then a bass player called Jerry Best, which was out in L.A., a good friend of mine, came in and things like that. And then I started advertising and, and bringing in a couple of different members and, and people from time to time. And, and the second we knew they weren't right, we just, we just said, I'm sorry, you're not the right guy. And, and just bit by bit, it fell into the place, man, you know, when the right guys came into the place. So, so you know, it was really a matter of just keep looking and so on and so on. And also because I wanted a band of unknown members. I already knew that the name White Line was going to follow me. And then every interview it was going to be, and I know the advertisement would be former White Line singer, my trans new band and so on and so But I didn't want to say, and former and form grade wide player, and former journey bass player, or former, you know, LA Guns. You know, I, I wanted to be a fresh band with fresh new looks, you know?
Yeah, now did any of the labels try and uh, get you to go out as just Mike Trump back then? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, by the time we got signed with that, you know, I financed and recorded that album, you know, without even having a label. And it wasn't until the final product was done and stuff like that that we ended up, you know, signing with a, with a big label in, in, in England called Music for Nations and at the same mm-hmm. time with, with a label in Japan. And the album was never really officially released in the United States. Okay. And from my recollections, did you go out with Halloween before you went out with Dio? Is that right? Yes, it was. We it was it was the worst tour of, our, of my life because it basically just ended up being four shows because the, the band broke apart after four shows, <laughs> and 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 um, we suddenly were left in Germany for like three weeks before we we started up again. And it probably wasn't that long. Maybe two months later, we then hooked up with Dio, and Dio became you know um, the final tour. Um, of 93 for us, okay. finishing finishing it at, at Hammersmith Odeon in in, uh, in London. And did you know any of the, the guys in the Dio band before the tour? Um, I mean, we were, we were even though Freakin' Nature doesn't represent an L.A. band, we were an L.A. band, so we were, you know, aware of each other. I had never met uh, the guitar band, but we had been, I had been part of, um, Ronnie James, he used to, and, and his, his, uh, his production used to run something called Children of the Night uh, organization, and every year there would be, you know, all rock and rollers would join together in a place called Santa Monica Civic Auditorium, and just get out there, and the donation would go to, to a homeless, homeless young people of Los Angeles. So, you know, we had met Ronnie and so and so, just you know, acquaintance, but you know, not, not more than just saying hi and stuff like that. But it only really took the first show on the DU two, and then we all were, <laughs> we all were buddies and stuff like that, and so and so, with respect, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we had talked to Jerry, and he he also kind of really had some fond memories about that tour and about the band and stuff. And uh, do you have like some really great memories about about that tour? Any kind of funny stories that went? Well, on I, you know what? I, th- I you know what? Ronnie became one of those two that, that there, there there's no funny moments of it and stuff like that. It was more just that we were playing with what we call the greatest rock and roll singer. Mm. Okay, and we respected Ronnie highly. I was huge Rainbow fan. Um, the two Black Sabbath album that Ronnie sings on are the, my overall favorite hard rock albums, with no, without a doubt. So we we were we were both in awe and really just felt that you know we personally wanted to be on our best behavior and really just be, make this tour be a tour of music. And not a tool of, 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 you know, of drinking or, or, or bad behavior. First of all, Freedom Nature were not that kind of band neither, but it was all a matter. And, and I think probably out of, of all the shows, we probably just missed two shows that we weren't watching, you know, the whole show every night and just hanging out and enjoying it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just one of those great things of being together, you know, a well-planned band and of course a singer who had had great songs and great albums and, and you know we just really enjoyed you know being part of it and 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 it's sort of just the way it ended yeah now mike were there any dates in denmark on that tour there were not i was just curious because uh i know you're, you're a fellow european so you, you probably would have been yeah no no but summer. funny enough funny enough white line had been offered to tour with ronnie james to you i think in 1985 but then somehow it fell apart and stuff like that. But they would have been playing Denmark at that time. No, they, we did not go to Denmark. Yeah, I remember the, the overriding uh, thing we get from all the band members he's spoken to and, and Jerry was how cold it was for the tour. They said every, all of them said it was really, really cold. Yes, of course. It was just like it was just you know that miserable European time, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> and stuff like that. It's just, there's no ways about it. It's just the way it is. Yeah, you know, you, you guys had a. I remember freaking nature. You guys had a tremendous work ethic at the time. You were constantly touring. Well, you know, I took the things back to the basics. You know, I mean, you know, I'd already test, tasted. Of, you know, White Line started the same way, but ended very quickly. That that's that philosophy or that ethic. So, I took the band back to what I knew best, and that's work ethic ethics. And and you know, and and it was also the first time I wrote as a band, 
and I wanted to make sure that I would not run into these issues that happens in a band. I mean, I already knew that I would be the one leading the band. And, you know, I also fueled the band both financially and, and, and in every other aspect. If it was a song idea, if it was artwork, if it was stuff like that and so on and so. But, you know, like I said, I always left the door open to every single person in being responsible for, for playing their role and, 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 and being uh, taking that responsibility, you know? Yeah. So I know that, um, in May they're coming out with, the the DVD of, uh, that last show of that tour at the, uh, at the Hammersmith. Now, did you guys get filmed that night as well? I wasn't even aware that they filmed it. Oh <laughs> yeah. They've got, it's got, it's really some sharp looking video. I've seen a couple of clips of it so far and, and the audio and the sound is fantastic. And I was just wow. thinking about it going, well, geez, I wonder if freaking nature got filmed that night too. Cause I'm, well, I wish they would have offered us, you yeah. know, and stuff like that, you know, and so on. So, okay, well, that's going to be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah. It's obviously a professionally shot stuff and it's, it's really well done. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, that's a lot of years ago and, and, you know, it wasn't that big of a show and stuff like that. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah, because there's not a lot of that tour out there. There's, um, Jeff Pilsen was asking us uh, to check out YouTube. That's the only place you can really get clips of it. And then we find out that this video is coming out professionally shot, and it's like, oh, well, great, about time, you know? That's just the way it happens, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Holy diver! Oh! <laughs>
you know, as far as that tour, was that like one of your, your high points with Freak of Nature was, was going out with Ronnie doing that stuff? Well, I mean, you, you know, I think it was just a natural step that, you know, this was our way to, to, to keep playing for a new audience and stuff like that. You know, I mean, the, our, our goal with that band was because we knew this was not going to be a video band and stuff like that, um, that, you know, I had said to the guys, I said, if you want to play this kind of music, we're going to break on the fifth of the sixth album, okay? This is going to require a lot of touring, and every tour we will gain more and more fans, but we're not going to look for a video, single radio kind of, of hit and stuff like that. That is not the music we write together. Mm. And there's a symbol of that. Yeah. Now, did you guys get any offers to do any of the U.S. stuff on that tour? Or was it just... Or, no, no, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. We, we, we weren't even talking the USA because, you know, it just seemed like nobody really wanted to touch anybody that had been part of the 80s for a while. Yeah, and that's why I was asking because, you know, we talked to the guys that did, did some of the U.S. leg too and it was an interesting difference between talking to Jerry and the really nice turnouts in the European tour and then we were talking to the guys you know, that were doing the U.S. leg and it was just so different between the two of them where Europe still was very accepting and eager to hear the music and eager to hear you guys and then the same, like you just said, a lot of the U.S. audience, they were off on their newest thing and totally discounting any of the other stuff that was coming out. Yeah, that's, you know, we can, we can, we can, uh, we can do a whole show about that. And, and so many people <laughs> talk about it. There's no doubt that the 80s had killed the 80s by itself by overdoing it and stuff like that. But the business was really behind it because the business was the one you know, saying more, give us more, give us bigger hair, give us tighter pants, give us, you know, MTV was calling for it. And the end, you know, every band had cloned or been cloned 50 times, man. And, you know, at the end, everybody was just tired of seeing, you know, three guys with dark hair and a blonde lead singer and stuff. Like that. And I don't blame them, but there's many ways of dealing with that. Um, but luckily, the great songs live on no matter how the image were and how the hair was. Yeah. And I'm proud to say that White Lion had those kind of songs that will live on. And every time I hear the songs, especially our bigger hits, I know they stand the test of time and they don't represent anything in their lyrics or stuff like that that is a time period. Yeah. Now, there was an interview in the 90s, Mike, in Kerrang!, and I remember it was one of your guitarists was saying that uh, you were pushing Tin Lizzy on them constantly, and not not the not the Thunder Lightning Lizzy or the Renegade Lizzy. It was all the early stuff. And when of we course. when we spoke to Jerry, I asked Jerry. I said, "Is Mike as big a Tin Lizzy fan as I think he is?" And he says, "Well, he's got Phil's tattoo, I think, on his left arm." So he said, if you ever get to speak to Mike, he'll talk Tin Lizzy to you all night. <laughs> so they must be probably one of your favorite bands then. Yeah, you know, I, I, Jerry should have known that we went to Phil's grave when we played Belfast and stuff like that. Uh, when we went, sorry, sorry, now we played Belfast, but we, our show in Dublin got canceled. So Jerry and I and my brother Dennis went out to Phil's grave and it was like a stormy weather and we walked for 50 miles and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm the kind of Thin Lizzy fan that don't talk about it anymore and stuff like that. And it can be, they can go a long time between, but there is, the thing is just my, there's so much Lissy and there's so much, but no, there's more Phil. And, and the thing is for me, it was more that, that Phil line it's songwriting. And, and, and with that, and, and, you know, you, you just mentioned it and, and hit it right on the point. No, I'm not a thunder and lightning and renegade fan. I am, you know, Romeo and the Lonely Girl, you know, Fight, Fight, Fall, or, you know, Wild One, mm-hmm. you know, Southbound, which, which you will hear, you know, in, in, when you get into Mike Tramps, you know, Cobblestone Street and stuff like that. But that is, that is the background that I love and feel. Yeah. And I sort of always, I was talking to somebody about the other day. It's just, man, how would it have been if Phil had, had, had enough faith in himself or the right people around him and says, no, you need to go this way instead of trying to experiment with Grand Slam and, and, and this strange soul I music. But if he had gone back down and done something more like in the vein of, 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 you know, when Neil Young or Springsteen or Bob Seger, that 
that strumming thing where so many Lizzie songs came from. So so that's more to me. So I'm not I don't need to hear the boys are back in town for the rest of my life. That's not what I hear. It to me it's the man and his poetry and the way of singing and the way of, 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 of placing everything. That is that is what it is to me. Yeah. Did, did you ever get a chance to see Lizzie live? Yes I I, I, I yeah I actually I only saw Lizzie once on the Renegade tour. Oh, okay. At least you saw them. I never got a chance to see them. I was too young. <laughs> but I think there is kind of a, a, a grain, I think, in what Phil did and, and what you did. And then, you know, he could have easily, I mean, the guy had the talent that he could have easily said, I'm going to fill this album with everything that I think the people want to hear. But he did always seem to take the time to put a lot of things in there that were really for him. And, and what he wanted to hear. And well, here's an interesting here's an interesting point, and I could be completely deadly wrong. And you might have a lot of people calling in and saying, "Who's this idiot who's just talking right now?" This happened to a lot of English bands at that time, when bands like Van Halen and 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 you know Bon Jovi and 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 even Def Leppard um, started getting that American sound and the big radios and stuff like that. You, you saw that even bands like Judas Priest, Maiden, Saxon, and stuff like that started catering towards that and, you know, started making themselves a little bit more prettier. That if you look at the album prior to that, you know, they're pretty bad boys. And, and then bit by bit, you start, they start changing the lyrics a little and start being, you know, uh, um, aware of American radio and the rules and the regulations, stuff like that. And there's no doubt that Phil felt the same way and maybe got caught up half in between his drug abuse and, and, and this thing about succeeding in America and, 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 you know, uh, white snake and then suddenly, you know, you know, the two not so good looking English guitar players get, get replaced with a better looking guitar, guitar player and stuff like that. And before you know it, man, you know, the greatness of white snake is gone, in my opinion. And, and, and it's, a, it's just something that naturally happens in all of us. Yeah. You know, so this, of course, and, 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 you know, Phil doesn't have the right, you know, um, people around him guiding him and you know or maybe at that moment thinks that he knows it all well yeah and yeah. And, and you know the, the, every musician can run into this confusion and at the crossroads and stuff like that and and you know when white line were there what we needed most was our a and r guy the record company our managers to step in and they didn't yeah. so i i totally see the science and understand how these things happen and how easily you could be misguided and lose faith in yourself when suddenly what they used to do aren't exactly the same, but now there's other bands that, that more so, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's true. It's true. And I know that recently they had had a, an interview with Bernie Marston and they had asked him about, you know, would you ever think about getting back and doing something? And he was like, nope. I've been down that road, not not going there again. And and you could tell that even after all this time, he still kind of has this bitterness where that was a great band with those guys. That was a machine. And all of a sudden it just turned around to what happened to the White Snake I was listening to before? It's a totally different. You know what? I I one hundred agree, and you can go you can go to UFO, you can go to to you can go to Scorpions, you can go to a lot of bands. Hey, listen, they made it big in America, and, and you know the kids are that. But when you want to go back and you want to see the soul of the band, look, listen to Love Drive. Mm. You know, listen to you know you know listen to uh, uh, Johnny the Fox and 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 things like that, and etc. Says you know listen to Radiant Wailing and stuff like that. You know, when you, when we do, now we're talking about three different bands. I hope they're rock fans. I don't know what I'm talking about. But this is just one of those things. After all, guys and girls, we are also just human beings and we don't always know what's best for ourselves. How much more time do you have on the road with this with this tour? Well, I have to I have to May 16th and then, uh, then I head to Europe and I have the new album being released on August 16th. August 18th, and I'll start a, a, a tour in the UK on um, August 28th, and then I'll be touring through Europe uh, for the rest of the year, and and uh, kind of working already now, returning to USA in 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 uh, in March. Wow, that, 2015. 
That's a brutal tour schedule, considering that, you know, you're driving yourself around. It isn't like you're... Yeah, but you know what? You know, I I don't drink. I've never done drugs and stuff like that. And you know what? I'm a father to three, you know, with a broken marriage and stuff like that. You know, what do you want me to do? Work at Home Depot? <laughs> I think a lot. I think enough musicians did that in the nineties, Mike. To be honest. Yeah, well, you know what? I, that's probably the more place I will become more comfortable and stuff like that. You know, because I take care of myself and I, and, and 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 I rest and and stuff like that. This is what I do and stuff like that. And and you know, I go to bed and and, and take care of myself. It's it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one more question before before we leave you go, Mike. Um, did you yeah. play the, the cruise a couple of weeks ago at Monsters of Rock? Yes, it was. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant. Okay, I'm, I'm always curious about how those things go down. No, um, no, no. It was an observation because I did not know what to expect, but was pleasantly surprised at how great it was to mix up the 3,000 rock fans on a daily level share and having breakfast, dinner, and lunch with them, and, and, and not in that order, of course, um, and, and just going around and realize that, that we're all sort of the same community, and this is kind of like, you know, the ships just have floated on the ocean for forever. We would be in the perfect way to retire and, and dying this way because we all have been through, both fans and musicians have been through all this stuff, and, and, and those of us that are still here, you know, we're appreciating it in a different way, and the fans appreciating that, you know, that they can get to see there, and now we're like, we're, we're on equal levels. And, yeah. and it's, it's great, you know, it's great. And, and I'm happy that I'm happy that, that where I play music right now is, is on the level where I, I interact and share so much with the fans. Yeah, awesome. and did you get to see many of the bands when you were playing? We do. We went around, my son and I went around to see as much as possible, something, and it's fantastic, you know? Excellent. You know? Excellent. Cool. And of course, you know, myself being from Boston and, you know, one of my favorite clubs when I played in bands around here is I think the, the last club that you guys played in is White Lion, and that was the channel. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a great rock club. Those were, those were the days of the great rock clubs. There should be a book just about that, you know. You know, I really wish that someone would write at least one about the channel because there are so many people around here now that have no idea that place existed. And, you know, I played there. I teched for bands there. And yeah, I, I talked to so many other artists, too, that have played there, and they talk about all the great stuff that went on there. They talk about instruments that got thrown in the canal behind it and all of that and so yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't uh, i didn't ever Janet, but i remember Stephen tyler coming down and seeing us right before we started with aerosmith so this is this is just a great way to go out on this guys and, and with great memories and stuff like that and i really appreciate you being in touch with me so stay in touch with me anything that i can help and you know like i said my new album will be at, will be actual on on the market um um, August 18th. It's called Museum. It's a nice jump from the last one, Cobblestone Street, but no doubt that when you hear the first line of me singing that you have no doubt of who the singer is and where his background and influences is from. Awesome. So look forward to it. And I'm even more happy that I'm occupying kind of like a, a small little spot where I always start feeling that I'm, I'm unique in my own ways within within the guidelines of rock and roll that I do do something that most others don't do. So I kind of feel that whenever you need to have a break from the other stuff, you come to me and I'm happy to be there. There you go. Right. Before we let you go, what's the best place online for people that want to find out your tour dates, keep up on what's going on with Mike Tramp? Is there a good spot online for them to go? Mike Tramp official Facebook, Mike Tramp official. If it doesn't say official, it's not me. There we go. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Mike, for taking the time tonight. We really appreciate it. You're very it. welcome, guys. All right. Thanks, Take Mike. care. Have a good one. Bye.
here is our talk with Mike Tramp, our last guest on our Strange Highways series. Of course, rounding this episode out with a little bit of Freak of Nature there with Rescue Me. Also from Freak of Nature tonight, we played What Am I? And of course, if you're curious about the song way at the beginning of the episode, that's called Him to Ronnie. And that was recorded by Mike Tramp and the Rock and Roll Circus. And that song just really proves, you know, how much of an impression that Ronnie had made on Mike. And after Ronnie died, Mike got a group of friends together and they put that song out and made it as a free download available to everybody, just as a kind of a piece of devotion to Ronnie, you know, him to Ronnie. And I thought that this was the ultimate optimum spot to put that song within our Strange Highways series. So thanks to Mike and all of our other guests we had on the last seven other episodes of this project. It's been a lot of fun doing it. It's also been a lot of work, but, you know, being a huge fan of Ronnie, I think it was well worth it. And I felt it was a really worthwhile project to do. And of course, if you missed any of the Strange Highway segments and you want to catch up on them, you can head up to focusonmetal.net and right on that main page, scroll down to the bottom and they have all the episodes there. Those will bring you over to the episodes page. You can find them all there. So all of the Strange Highways episodes are all up on FocusOnMetal.net. So there's our talk with Mike Tramp. That wraps up our Strange Highways project. And, you know, I think at the end of this project, I think it's probably a good time to maybe let the cat out of the bag of what the next project is. Well, you want to tell people I, now? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. All right. Um, we had an, an idea a while ago about doing something that wasn't an album. And um, because, uh, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. Originally, I wanted to do an album, and I picked the album. And I'm not going to name the album because it didn't happen. Because the producer said yes, and I emailed the band's management, and uh, I heard nothing back. So that was dead in the water. Mm-hmm. So um, I we talked about doing something different. So when when I was when I got into metal around late mid to late eighties. There was um, one thing in common with a lot of the albums I got into. And that was a place called Little Mountain Sound Studios in Vancouver. Mm. And I often wondered why all these bands who were huge in the States, like Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, uh, Skid Row, um, Metallica, Metallica, (laughs) all went to Vancouver mm. when they were all based in LA or, or Vegas or wherever it was in the in southern US. So I decided to contact some or try and contact some of the people. And I have to give a huge thanks to Mike Fraser for for setting me up with some of these guys because where do you start? I um with the Dio album, I knew who played on it. Mm. I knew who produced it. Yeah. I could find out who the support bands were. And um, when I looked at Little Mountain, all I could go on was uh, who produced the album. So you had Bob Rock, Mike Fraser, Bruce Fairburn. Mm. Of course, Bruce Fairburn passed away, so he, I can't, we can't talk to him, yep. right? So I emailed Mike and I asked Mike what were his thoughts on if we did a project on Little Mountain Sound, and uh, he was very happy we were doing it because he, he didn't think anyone had ever done anything on it before yeah. which really surprised me because you look at the amount of albums that came out of there that were you, the Black Album you have Pump Get a Grip Permanent Vacation Sonic Temple like 
Slippery and Wet, New Jersey, Keep the Faith. They were all recorded at Little Mountain Sound. The Razor's Edge, ACDC. Mm, yeah. This, all those, they sold a few copies. <laughs> you know, yeah. Right? And, um, oh, Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. <laughs> and so I hit up Mike and Mike came back with names. And luckily enough, I was able to track down guys that a lot of them were still working. Yeah. Right? Um and they all agreed to come on. Now, when we're recording this, uh, we've done four. Is it four or is it five? Four. Do you want me to name the four we've no, done? No, no, okay. don't name the four. Okay, one is a musician who recorded there, right, in 87 or 88. Uh, three of the guys, one is the, who, one is the guy who managed mm. there, and one guy was an engineer, uh, Two and en- no, hold on. Uh, one guy was an engineer, and the other guy was involved in founding the studio. So yeah, that's four. So at the time of recording this, we still have another five to do. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Mike Fraser is one. Um, there there are two others who work there, and there are three other musicians. Is that six? right anyway there are three other musicians who have all agreed to come on and talk about their time at Little Mountain and I wanted to get some of the musicians on for balance because they're going to give their story about the people who work there yeah and the people who work there are going to give their story about the studio yeah so I think it's it's going to be a a really good balance because the, the musicians are going to be literally in and out of there in say six weeks, five, six, seven weeks, and they would have worked with whoever they worked with. So they'll, they'll, it'll be very concise with them about their time there. When you look at the other guys, like we've already spoken to four of them, mm-hmm. and they're just they're naming this band and that band, and these guys came in here, and oh yeah, you went to the canteen, and John Bon Jovi would be there, and you know they're naming everybody. Yeah. Whereas it's going to be very concise with the musicians, and I've done it in a way. I deliberately did it so I have a drummer, a bass player, a guitar player, and a singer. I did that on purpose. So if if it all happens, yeah, um, it, it it all happens. Um, you know, if so far it's been brilliant. Um, it's been brilliant because I've really enjoyed talking to these guys. I do, I don't know them at yeah. all. I've never spoken to any of them. Yeah, they're all genuinely happy that we're doing it. And at the end of each interview, they all want to be sent, sent the links yeah, because they they really want to hear this. Because yeah. when you look at a studio like that, that was founded in, say, the mid-70s and it ended up closing in, I think it was 92, from what it went from to what it went to. Yeah. This, it's an incredible story. Yeah, yeah. It really is an incredible story. Now, I know you, I know the people were there, the Bob Rock, Mike Fraser, Bruce Fairburn and, and these guys that ended up working there. I, I, I get all that, but I think a lot of it had to do with the, the other people that we spoke to as well. And they, they'll, you know, they got, when we do speak to Mike, he'll he'll say the same thing. There's, there's all these other guys that I think their contribution is massive to that studio. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they get talked about enough. Yeah. Because we spoke to, um, we spoke to the guy who managed there and he mentioned one of the guys who worked there who passed away. And he said that only for him, the studio wouldn't have really gone anywhere. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have never even heard of this guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been great so far. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, it's, it's, uh, it's coming along. Uh, well, I mean, the interviews have been great. And yeah. And that's, that's good. It's, I've got a long road of editing and assembling on sorry, all that. Sorry that build up, but, but it's, uh, but no, they've been, they've been going really good. Um, from what everything Richie's told you, it's a much larger project than we did this year with Strange Highways, and you know the sheer number of people we're talking to this time is is has grown a lot more. So that's our next one is uh, our big major multi episode project for 2015 is uh, Little, Little Mountain. Mount, Little Mountain Sound, yeah. So should be good. It's well so far it's been great. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. So you learn a lot. Um, and one of the things I, I remember when we discussed doing this little mountain thing, I'm not a techie guy at all. And I'm thinking, fuck, if this gets too technical now about recording <laughs> and, and, and all that, I'm I'm lost. But 
I think the two of us, you've asked more of the technical questions and I've yeah. kind of asked about the musicians and the bands and all that. But yeah, it's been great. Yeah. So far, fantastic. Yeah. So we have, we've got more interviews to do, but that's, that's the next one. Yeah. Great. Well, hope everyone's enjoyed the uh, Strange Highway series and um, I hope that everybody enjoys what we got coming up with the Little Mountain one. And of course, in, in between all that is just more regular episodes of Focus on Metal. Yeah. Yeah. The usual. The usual. The, the usual and the unusual. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, uh, you know, remember to follow us on uh, on Twitter and also focusonmetal.net, focusonmetal.blogspot.com. Of course, uh, you know, keep up with us every week. And if you're liking the show and you're listening to it on iTunes, why don't you uh, subscribe to it? That would be very helpful. Or otherwise, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. No. <laughs> So uh, that'll be it for this week. So Scott and Richie saying have yourselves a good metal week. And until we talk to you again, remember.